the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Courageous Christianity, a public nonprofit ministry equipping Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. The intersection of our faith in the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world that challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. As a colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves with numerous combat deployments, Richard Mentelow has walked dangerous ground in peacetime and in war. Join us as he and his guests shed light on this critical intersection on spiritual combat and on the rules of engagement for courageous Christianity. And here's your host, Richard Mendelow. Friends, welcome and thank you for joining us on Courageous Christianity. Today we continue in our series entitled Lines of Operation. And our hope with this series is to explain from a military standpoint the power of faith when brought to bear throughout our lives. Last week, Pastor Steve Dennis talked with us about our first line of operation, which is faith and values. We discussed how everything we do should be based on the Bible and on our personal relationship with Jesus. And we said that we can trust what he lays out for us as told in Scripture. Today, we will talk about family. As you've heard me say many times, our faith is not what we do for an hour on Sunday. Our faith must shape everything about us, how we think, how we feel, and how we act. Our faith should determine our marriage relationships, how we parent, how we allow our children to be educated, what opinions we express, how we work, and what we watch on TV. All of this will shape our family. We continue today in this effort with Tom Stevens. Tom is a psychotherapist located in Cypress, Texas, and he specializes in working with children and their families. And he said on Christie's show a while back that he advocates for children, and I love that. It's important to be an advocate of that which is loving and true, and he does all of this with his faith as his shield. And he's going to speak with us today about our second line of operation, and that's family. Tom, welcome. Richard, Christy, thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I feel uplifted just being here. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Glad you're here. And as always, I'm joined by and so grateful for Christy Stratton, my fastidious wingman. Wow. Another cool word. Yeah. Uh, diligent, um, detailed, meticulous, fastidious. Oh, sounding very rigid. <laughs> Uh, but thank you. That was a very nice wow. compliment. That didn't Not work sure out what so just well. Happened there. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome, Tom. 
Before we begin, folks, I must remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserves, I have to preface my comments by saying that these are my personal views and they do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Please pray with us. Heavenly Father, our mission in your love as courageous Christians is to change the world. You change us through your Son, Jesus Christ, and we change the world around us. And yet many of us do not fully realize our power on the spiritual battlefield. Help us, Father, to understand that our faith in Jesus and his ways must change everything about us. Help us to walk out our faith through every area of our lives, beginning in our relationship with you, extending through our families and communities, and changing our perspectives on the education of our children, on politics and the way we vote, on the way we spend our money, and on the way we live our lives at every intersection of our faith and the secular world. We ask that you bless this conversation and those who are listening, that your will may be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Friends, in the first episode of this series on lines of operation, we talked about faith and values. And faith and values that we learn from our faith are the foundation of everything. And for this reason, the devil, who wants to separate men and women from God, attacks faith and the Bible. What you see in the world as an open attack on Christians and Jews and the values of our faith is an extension of the devil's desire to isolate us from God. The people who perpetrate these attacks are the dupes of the devil. In the same way, since family is the foundation of God's kingdom, the devil wants to destroy family. This accounts for the perversion of family that you see in the world and in popular culture. Government also attacks family. Little men and little women, scrapping for crumbs which fall from Satan's table, want to break the family so they can become our family. They want to replace God's design for family. We see this in the nanny state and our fellow Americans who act like spoiled children. All of this is an abomination. There is no doubt family is under attack in this nation. So let me say a couple things about family to establish the footing for this conversation. Family begins with a man and woman in marriage. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 says, the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And verse 24 says, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. That is marriage. Family continues in Christ. As Ephesians 5, 22-25 describes, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Marriage is about love and respect. And then come children. And God says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, Honor your father and mother, so that your life will be long on the fertile land that your Lord God is giving you. And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 21, God warns parents, parents don't provoke your children in a way that ends up discouraging them. And to all of his children, God says about his family, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. And he adds this, my son, keep your father's command, 
Don't abandon your mother's instruction. So that is biblical family, and it is under attack by the same people who ask for tolerance, and by radical feminists, and by government, and by the corporations who own the government who say stupid things like I saw recently in a commercial which said, regardless of how you family, we have a car for you. Family belongs to God, and the struggle and pain we see in our marriages and our children today are a manifestation of the devil's attacks on family. And so first, Tom, I'd like to ask you after that very lengthy introduction, I imagine you see a lot of struggle. Yeah, there is a complete breakdown in the foundation of the family. I've been a psychotherapist for 25 years, and I have gone from the mid-90s to now watching not even that family was amazing back then because it's always had struggle, but today's world is much more of a me culture. I mean, it's it's about individuals, and I think a lot of parents have kind of uh, handed over authority to their children. I think, you know, I'm going to go against a lot of what people think here, so I'm going to speak my mind, but as a therapist, I try to tell people, I'm here to help you with what you come to me for. And I need to say to you what I hear and what I see. And a lot of people come to me wanting to feel better, but not wanting to do much about it. Mm. And so the breakdown of the family is that we separate, we eat meals separately, we don't have close conversation, we don't have family meetings, we're not on the same page, we don't even practice the same faith all the time. You know, kids grow up and they might not, might stop going to church, they might stop uh, sharing family meals, and what happens is there is no unit anymore, and family's meant for bonding. I mean, the reason for family is to bond. It's to connect outside of ourselves. We can all try to meet our own needs, but when you have to deal with a family, and you have to love, and you have to have compassion, you have to have empathy, and you have to give love to other people and welcome love in from them, it's very challenging. So the bonding is important, and the modeling, just being able to watch someone model for you unless it's super unhealthy which family doesn't have to be your biological unit we can all create family somewhere but the family's key is to connect and to bond yeah we've said on the show many times that we are built for connection and if you think about family as the place where we learn normalcy there's no surprise why uh, society is so perverted because we're not learning normalcy in family And so it's funny, everybody's inventing their own rules. When my family moved to the United States from Africa, uh, we were a tight little immigrant unit. Um, I remember uh, your birthday was celebrated at Burger King, and, you know, the birthday person got to wear that crown that they had. Howard Johnson's was Uh, for me. Cool. awesome. (laughs) But we were this tiny little immigrant family. And then I remember as my father started getting his feet on the ground um, professionally and things started being less threatening uh, monetarily and so forth, I noticed people starting to go in all kind of different directions. Mm. And the family became a lot weaker to the extent that now I see a family where your mom's in assisted living and we're spread out all over the country. And I even have a little sister here in Houston and I rarely see her. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it's yeah. heartbreaking. It's important to know that family goes from the top down. And so it's not up to children to be able to create the family bonding of the unit. 
Well, part of the reason I'm a therapist today, I'm, I'm sure, is because I was a mediator growing up and I was able to balance arguments and things happening. And I used that skill in the profession I have today. But family's got to come from the top down. And no matter who is in charge, it is up to them to be able to give the consistency, to give the kind of grounding and the boundaries around we are sticking together, we are in this together, and I will lead the way. Otherwise, there's a bunch, it's the inmates running the asylum. There's a bunch of people all running around in charge. Hey, we eat dinner together, we say grace together, and I'm the spiritual head of this family, so there's a lot of responsibility for me, and I'm supposed to do right things and model right things, and by the way, God has provided me with a helper, and I love the fact that we've talked on the show before, um, that woman is uh, helpful opposition. The Hebrew word comes from helpful opposition, and by the way, that same word is used to describe God on many occasions. So you're talking about uh, a man and woman partnered together, leading the family. And it's so important because if not that, then we're these isolated little people and the devil just picks us off like it's cool. You're exactly right. And by the way, with teenagers, it's especially critical because there's this thing called splitting. And so teenagers are really good when they're either in trouble or on the hook for something. They will split two parents off away from each other and divide them so the fight becomes about the parents and not about the actual issue from the teenager. So we have to pay attention to what's happening with this unit of two parents or even the one that's above and on top and need to stay in charge. Brilliant. Folks, we're talking about lines of operation, and lines of operation are the way that campaigns are fought. And today we're talking about family. Uh, with Tom Stevens. It's so important. Please stay with us. When we come back, we're going to talk about the state of this nation. Hello, everyone. This is Christy Mendelow. As you may know, I'm host Richard Mendelow's wingman. You might wonder what a wingman is. Here on Courageous Christianity, it means I'm here to support the host of this show and our efforts to accomplish our mission. That mission is to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield, and we need your help to do that. Your tax-deductible support is what keeps us on the air and sustains our ongoing efforts. Courageous Christianity is a public, nonprofit ministry. If you'd like to support our mission and this ministry, you can do so by texting any amount to 281-800-4940. That's 281-800-4940. And for a donation of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of Richard's book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. You will absolutely love this devotional, and it will help you to be more equipped in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit, you can also donate by going to CourageousChristianity.today. So text to donate to 281-800-4940 or go to CourageousChristianity.today. Friends, thank you. We are so very grateful for your listenership and for your support. I counted the streetlights as we headed up to the chapel to pay our last respects. Someday Friends, you're back with Courageous Christianity, and I'm Richard Mendelone. We are talking with Tom Stevens about family, our second line of operation. There was so much Tom said in the first uh, segment. Uh, Christy pointed out the family unit is not unlike a combat unit. And what came to me was the strength that I feel as a Marine 
uh, not just associated with the Marine Corps and the traditions uh, of the Marine Corps, but then your individual unit and how tight your unit gets. And adversity actually strengthens the unit. And if you don't have a cohesive unit, then adversity splinters the unit. And then everybody is exposed on the battlefield. They're leaning on their own understanding. And there's nothing that's tying us together to withstand the attacks of the enemy. And so we see that a lot in family, whereby in the absence of a strong family, this wilderness, this world that we live in, we are all just open to these attacks. And instead of making us stronger as we cling to what we've learned in the home from our parents, morals and ethics and prayers said at the dinner table, we end up going in a million different directions, and that's how we're in the mess that we're in. So that family unit, Tom, and the strength of the unit and the the bonds of the unit. Now, you were talking about the 12-step program and how that has some uh, analogs. Yeah, 12-step program. Any any 12-step program has a foundation of a big book, of a guide to help you live a better life, not just to be abstinent of whatever that that thing is, but to be able to recover and to be able to have serenity. And part of that is it's easy to be in a 12-step program when you're in the meetings, when you're around the people, when you're in the rooms. But when you get out in the world and you're out in the desert and you're with somebody who might tempt you or in a situation that might be difficult, how can you lean on the leadership, the sponsoring that you've had in the program, the mentoring that you've had in the group to be able to successfully make decisions that keep you healthy. Same as the military. You know, when you've been trained and when you've been equipped by the best leader possible, they are the ones that, I mean, this, the Rick Warren said it, you know, Purpose Driven Life. He said, leaders create more leaders and wannabes just create more followers. And, you know, the whole idea of leaders are equipping these people in the military to go out in the world. And same with 12-step, same with fathers and mothers, equipping these children to be able to make the best decision for them. Yeah, uh, totally brilliant. So the entire Marine Corps is built on the fire team, which is four people, a fire team leader and three fire team members. And that fire team leader could be 20. He could be a corporal or a lance corporal, and the others are privates, first class, and so forth. And then three fire teams make up a squad. Three squads or four squads make up a platoon. And so if you look at the kingdom of God and the cohesion that family offers, those four people of the fire team, they know what the rules of engagement are. They are reminded each day of what's important. They're reminded of the fact that they're not alone. And if you take that and extrapolate it to the family, okay, now the kids go off to college and they're presented with this independence and these decision-making opportunities. And in the back of their head should be, what would mom and dad think if I chose this? How does this look? What did I learn at church? What? Did, no, I'm not doing this. And instead, what we talked about a couple months ago in a show on why young people are leaving the church is how in that first decision-making opportunity, things often go awry. Yeah. And the kingdom of God is suffering. Yes. The modeling piece of being that person, I always tell, I have two sons, 17 and 20 years old, and I try to tell them, I want to show you the husband I hope you to become one day, not perfect, but but honest and having integrity and character. And I want to treat your mom the way that I want you to be able to treat your wife. 
and to be able to model those examples, and the same goes for the mom, helps children be able to make a choice. I mean, my older son, Nick, he picked a university to go to that I wouldn't have chosen. I didn't think he was going to pick, and he picked it. You know why? Because he went to grade school in a Christian school, and then he went to a homeschool program that was basically college during high school, and he said, I need to get back to a place where I can have chapel, where I can pray. And he went to a Christian university that's a small school because he wanted more of that. And now as a leader of a, a spiritual life group in his dorm every week and a lot of other things. And I I, wow. I didn't know that I did anything. I, maybe I didn't. God does great things. <laughs> but it was that belief that this is important and we need to make those choices. Well, and I heard in there honesty in the communication aspect. You were modeling it. So if we tie it back to that conversation that we had a couple months ago about the children, uh, young people leaving the church, a lot of the reason is, is because hypocrisy. And so not only were you modeling it, but you were communicating it. And so he, it, it, it's almost like it makes it easier for people to move forward that direction. Yeah, so we talked a couple months ago about the society's attacks on men. Yes. And society attacks men because the devil knows men are made to be the leaders of family. And so uh, in close relationship with the helpful opposition of their loving wives, or I should say the respectful wives, because something that's always been interesting to me is Ephesians chapter five. It has a lot of instruction for how husbands are supposed to behave. And it says, husbands, love your wives. And the instruction for women is, wives, respect Respect. your husband. It doesn't say love him. It says respect. And then you read a book like Love and Respect. Uh, Who's it by? Eggleston? Or how do you say it? Egridge. Emerson Egridge. Emerson Egridge. I wasn't even close. It's an amazing book. And what that tells us is that a woman's greatest need is for Love. love, and a man's greatest need is for honor. So big shock. Society statistics show us this, but the Bible told us this yeah, a long time <laughs> like ago. like it does so many things. <laughs> and, and, and so SEALs operate in teams. Marines operate in teams. And families have to operate in teams. And that team is in alignment. And we talked about misalignment. A couple uh, weeks ago, we talked about the fact that this world is just uh, such a place of misalignment. So what is the alignment? God, straight down to a man in a family with his wife, leading the children. And then as we all go forth on the battlefield of this world, we're in alignment and we know what comes first. And so God bless you and your son for showing that. Well, he's an amazing young man. I'm so proud of him and grace to have him. But I'll tell you, I had a guy in my office a while back who was uh, dealing with a lot of anger issues, big, strong guy, husband, father, he came in and said, I don't want this life for myself, and I would never be found in your office, Tom. I wouldn't come see a guy like you, and I wouldn't pay this money to come see you for sure. And the fact that I came in here and you hooked me from the beginning on the fact that life could be different, I am, he said, everybody needs a guy like Tom who can take that leadership role and help him, which he's felt over the past six, eight months, to be a father, to even brought his daughter in to say, I want her to be honest about how she feels about me so that he can learn to be a different leader than the traumatic, uh, abusive environment that he grew up in as a young child. And he wants to overcome that to stop the pattern. And by the way, anybody can stop this. Just because it's in a bad spot now doesn't mean it's done. We can do something to change it, but we need to look outside of ourselves to get help. 
Yeah, yeah uh, that brings up the brilliant point. We keep talking about Scripture and the Bible. And maybe if you listen to the show a lot, you could even think, okay, got it, read my Bible. <laughs> but the thing is, I said this recently to somebody. We live in a world that has no rules, and we look like a pinball machine where everybody bumps into everybody else because we're all making up our own rules as we go. So if for no other reason than harmony, the Bible is a rule book outside ourselves. And so my point is the code, the standards have to be outside yourself Otherwise, you invent your rules, I invent my rules, and by the way, they're all a construct of this world, what we know, and by the way, look around, it's not working, and so you can figure out what's right by what's the fruits of it. The Bible says you can't get good fruit from a bad tree or bad fruit from a good tree. The point is, look around. Is what we're doing working? Well, what do you see about teenage anxiety? What do you see about the skyrocketing level of anxiety in our children. Yeah, it's not working at all. None of this is working. And so with technology, with social media, with our plug-in ability to see and hear and know all about the world all the time, it's like showing an eight-year-old an R-rated movie. You can't unsee what has been seen. And so the anxiety goes up because we are, number one, always on. Number two, always comparing ourselves to everybody else. And number three, we have no guide it's like I, I've said, you know, it's like being a Christian without a Bible, that it's great to be something, but if you don't have any kind of foundation and basis, you're stuck. So, I mean, look at Jesus. I don't know the Bible super well, but he picked a group of misfits from what I can tell, and he was able to lead them through example and through healthy discipline to get where they need to be. Yeah, two points. Number one, you need to read your Bible more. <laughs> Number two... When I I was a second lieutenant at the basic school, I was late for a class and I was running to my class and this captain stopped me and he said, Hey, Lieutenant, where are you going? And I said, I'm late for class, sir. And he said, never let the men see you running. It scares them. My point is as a leader, as a father, We're plugged into CNN. We're plugged into Fox News. We're plugged into our phones. We are modeling anxiety. We're talking about our jobs in jeopardy, how Social Security is not going to pan out, how our 401k is in jeopardy, and then big shock, our children sitting quietly at the dinner table, if we happen to be at the dinner table, otherwise in the car, are watching us and thinking, holy mackerel, there's a lot to be anxious about. I'm hearing something as we're talking about alignment, and if we are in alignment with Uh, God at the head and then the spiritual leader in the family, then everything else flows and we are a more powerful combat unit out on the battlefield. Otherwise, those words that you both used, splitting and splintering, that's a definition of this world. Split and splinter. Absolutely. And I don't know about you, but I don't like splinters. They kind of hurt. No. um, God is a loving father. My experience with God and Jesus is not based on religion. And I realize that religion can teach codification more than it teaches the fact that God is a loving father. And he confirms this. He says, what father, if his son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for fish, would give him a snake? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your father in heaven know how to give good gifts to you? And Jesus confirms this when he says, don't worry because your father will provide for you. And we'll talk more about that when we come back. Stay with us.
They fought for our freedom and made sacrifices most of us can't imagine, and now our veterans need our help. Hi, friends. I'm Christy Mendelow, Richard's wingman here on Courageous Christianity. You've possibly heard us talking about Freedom Alliance on the show. It's an organization near and dear to our hearts. Freedom Alliance is healing the wounds of war, including the devastating emotional injuries that cause veterans to reject God's love. Freedom Alliance is saving lives and military marriages. They rehabilitate wounded heroes, donate customized wheelchairs to amputees, and provide college scholarships to the sons and daughters of military heroes. I hope you'll join us in supporting our combat veterans by donating to Freedom Alliance today. I urge you to visit freedomalliance.org to learn more about their mission. We at Courageous Christianity know the team at Freedom Alliance, and we've seen them do the Lord's work. They are committed to helping ordinary Americans who've done extraordinary things. Please go to freedomalliance.org to make a contribution that will change a hero's life. Friends, since we launched this show, Christy Mendelow has been my wingman on Courageous Christianity. To our message of Courageous Faith, she adds her invaluable perspective as a transformational coach. She's the walking embodiment of courage and compassion, and she brings this to bear on those going through divorce in her own show, The Divorce Coaching Hour, which airs Saturdays from 1 to 2 p.m. right here on 100.7 KKHT The Word. For those who are struggling in their marriages, she brings hope with guests who speak to the myriad counseling options available. For those who are going through divorce, she offers invaluable technical assistance. And for those who are coming out of divorce, she delivers a unique perspective on the opportunity for growth and change. If you are, or a friend or family member is, struggling in a marriage, contemplating or going through divorce, you need a wingman. You'll want to tune in each Saturday to hear from Christy and her guests. One thing is for sure, as I have learned over all the shows on Courageous Christianity and personally, you can count on Christy for truth, for a faith-based perspective, for compassion, and for insightful guidance. Tune in each Saturday. She'll be there for you as well. Don't miss the Divorce Coaching Hour every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 100.7 FM, KKHT, The Word. Friends, you're listening to Courageous Christianity. I'm Richard Mendelo, And as we went to break, I was talking about how God tells us he's a loving father and that he will provide for us. And so in alignment, men as the spiritual heads of the family must bring themselves to their knees and to the genuine understanding that God will provide for us. Because truthfully, and this might sound weird, it's his job. He made us. He has to provide for us. Should a child worry about whether or not they're going to eat? No, they shouldn't. Why? Because the mom and dad are going to feed them, and they know that. And so should we know that. And in that certain knowledge that we have in the love of God, we then model certainty for our children. So before the break, I said when I was a young second lieutenant, I was running to a class, and a captain saw me running, and he stopped me. And he said, don't run. It scares the men. And the point that he was making is you as a leader influence how the men perceive what is threatening and what is uh, worry worthy. And then we talked about the same for the uh, for the father as he comes to the love of God and in the certainty of that love demonstrated over centuries and centuries and with such kindness and mercy shows his children that same love. So uh, we were talking about the fact that what we're doing right now is not working. And evidence of that is 
uh, for example, the teen suicide rate, uh, anxiety in our teens, uh, the fact that our teens don't hold jobs statistically for longer than three to four months, if that, because job hopping is a thing, it's not working. Uh, tell us a little more about why or how. Well, it's not working because we're allowing this to happen. Like we are exposing children way younger to way more than they need to be exposed to in terms of social media, in terms of just the network of life. I mean, none of us parents today really grew up with this. So it's a new thing generationally. And as children get more exposure, they get more knowledge. Speaking of that and they become more powerful. And as they grow up into teenage years, the anxiety gets prevalent because there's a constant comparison with other people. There's constant pressure to fit in. And that's not just the old school, a generation or two ago of of peer pressure. This is way more amped up because 24-7 you are on uh, watch. And anything you post, anything you write, anything you say can and will be used against you. And so the anxiety is tight. Also, when they get home, a lot of teenagers today disappear. They go to their room, they go away, and they aren't socializing in person a lot of times. They're socializing online with people who are across the world, and we don't know if they're teenagers or not. And playing video games. Video games are big, and that's their social network. Parents will tell me all the time, well, that's their friends. Like that's, That's a very different world of having friends. You can have connections and play games. We grew up... It was Pac-Man, you had three lives, you, you die, and it's over, and you go in 10 minutes. But now it is unending. Or and they we can were spend outside playing. Hours. Yes, you would go outside, and you would come home at dark. And children today many times don't go outside, and they don't go outside because parents are scared and worried about where they'll be and who they'll be with. But also, it's too hard. It's hard to have a routine. It's hard to have structure. It's hard to have meals at the same time. It's hard to have playtime, study time, quiet time talk time. It's hard to do all of this, but it's important if you want a solid family. And it's hard to say no. What I'm hearing from you is as we give our children phones and iPads, and I see it on airplanes all the time, the children are left to entertain themselves with some sort of digital media. We're effectively giving them so much horsepower and they have very little steering. And if we struggle with all the horsepower uh, to steer it and keep it all on the road as adults, then a child with all that horsepower and no steering is going to end up in the ditch, and we well, see that so much. And let me add this in, Richard, that this, the children watching the parents do the same thing. There's that modeling. Right. But not in the right way. Yeah, that's, uh, it's very sad. And so we're talking a lot about what's not working, and so now let's focus on what, what should work, what must work. And so for me, the very first thing is, Read the Bible and see what God's view is of family and how God says a family should work. So, for instance, he says, spare the rod, spoil the child. So we have very little discipline in in modern families because we don't want to have tough conversations. Well, it's my house. It's my roof. Yeah. Discipline is all about boundaries and it's about follow through. It's about having a standard in your life that it. I always say children don't have a they always have a voice, but not a vote. So children don't get a 50% vote in the household, that the parents get to take what the children say. I think it's important to hear their voice, understand where they're coming from, and disseminate the boundaries, the rules, the structure from that. So my job as a parent is to help my child not end up in a bad spot, to help my child not end up in a place of severe anxiety or depression or trouble down the road. 
And I have to see things, say some hard things, and not let them always do or be or go places they want to go because either I think it's not safe or they haven't done their homework. They haven't done the things they need to do around the house. I mean, how many children do chores at this point in today's world? Very few have accountability and responsibility around the house. So we have to start giving a balance and a structure. And by the way, that's loving. Like family meetings, we just had one last night with my 20 and 17-year-old because whenever we're in town, we like to sit and talk. And like family meetings are meant to share feelings. They're not meant to disseminate rules and discipline. They're meant to say, let's talk about how this family's running. And if parents could get it through their head that the better structure and balance and consistency your life has, the less anxiety, stress, and pressure your children will feel. Life needs to be predictable, and that will decrease the anxiety. But if we allow children to spray off in all different directions because they don't want to eat dinner together, they don't want to come out and talk, they don't want to go to the store with me, then we need to stop and reevaluate and say, no, we're going to be the ones to decide the rules and the structure of this house. You don't have to be mean. It's accountability is clearly like you have a choice. You can either choose to do this or you can choose to have, you know, the consequence, the natural consequence happen. Yeah. And we live in a society that has no accountability. I mean, you look around and you see this nanny state, which allows people to exercise autonomy. And then when they don't like the results of their autonomy, the nanny state comes in and says, oh, I'll fix it. And it does so with our children's future and tax dollars. And we're $27 trillion in debt, not to mention the fact that we're spiritually in debt. So you mentioned a great point, accountability. And that is understanding causality. If I do this, then I can assume or predict that this will happen. Do I want those results? And if not, then don't do the first thing. I had a mother come in, uh, just a quick story, uh, with a four-year-old child who was in preschool, was acting up, getting in trouble at preschool, finally came to the mom after several times and said, I'm not sure your son's going to be able to stay here because he's throwing things, hitting hitting people. And today he actually threw something at the teacher and bit her. And I was talking to this mother, and she was exasperated. She said, Tom, I mean, isn't that their job to take care of my son and to make this? They've got him during the day. I'm at work. And I said, no, it's not their job. It's your job. And, of course, you know, it fascinates me. People come back to see me, but I think they want to hear that truth, that it's okay. I can help you with that. But if you send all of that out there, you're going to lose. Yeah. And you know what I hear in that story is a lot of heartbreak because I hear a mother who's probably working very hard to put a roof over the heads. And there's uh, statistically, there's a good chance she's a single mother. And so that family's already suffered a breakdown. Now mom is a breadwinner as well. And so she's asking the school to do what she doesn't have the time or the energy or the emotional bandwidth to do. And my heart breaks for her. And at the same time, it's not the school's job. And if that teacher disciplines the child, then 99 times out of 100, the parents are going to cry foul. Well, and the difference in this scenario, I always tell people, when you come to see me or to get help, you have to trust in that help. You have to follow direction. Yeah, you're but paying a lot of money for it. Absolutely. And I've told Christy before, you know, 90% of what I say, people don't listen to. <laughs> and I don't mean that flippantly. It's true. It's very hard to say, so you're asking me to, to come home, to cook dinner, to have reading time, to have quiet time, to set boundaries, to follow through. 
it's a lot to do, but it is doable if you get help. And so when I see a parent like that, I say this is doable if you can follow what we're talking about. But many times it's too overwhelming. I just want to put my feet up. I want to get the kids to bed and I want to go to sleep because life is overwhelming. But look, we overeat, we overspend, we underexercise. We have a society of excess today, and that's a huge problem because then we realize the debt, like you we said, gotta pay for that it's got to be paid for. Yeah. Um, okay, folks. So we've said that part of our desire with this series is to set expectations for the coming year. So we're talking now, we have time, and not that we have to wait to make changes, but as we uh, set our expectations for what we want to happen, <laughs> I genuinely believe that setting expectations is the key to life. It was the key to success in combat where I told my Marines what things were going to look like. And uh, I think as we accept reality and act from a place of awareness, as opposed to acting from a place of, oh, I wish this was the case. Well, it's not the case. What is the case is we buy too much stuff. We then have to pay for that stuff. We've got to work for that stuff. Life goes too fast. There's too many activities. And so we're going to have to make some changes. And then we make those changes based on awareness. And what we know is this. Let me speak about some awareness. Scripture says suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And our hope will not put us to shame. God has a plan. He knows how all of this must work. He says we can have hope. That means his plan will work. That is our expectation. And so what we have to start with is our personal hope in the Lord, and then we have to teach our children to hope in the Lord. And we have to do less in society and according to the rules of society and do more as a family and as a family unit in the kingdom of God according to what God says. And we're going to talk about that as we come back into our final segment. Please stay with us. Friends, it's Richard, the host of Courageous Christianity. In addition to donations, sponsorships also help to keep us on the air and sustain our ongoing efforts. We'd love for you to join us in this mission. If you own a Christian business or an entrepreneur, or it's on your heart to support our efforts, sponsorship opportunities are available. You'll have the chance to have your message heard during each show and much more. If you want to join us in our mission to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield and support us with your sponsorship... Contact us at 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. Contact us today to apply as there are some requirements. So give us a call at 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. We're grateful for your listenership and for your support. What a friend we have in Jesus. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity. I'm Richard Mendelow, and we're talking with Tom Stevens about family, biblical family, the importance of family, and the expectations we shape for our children about the world as the leaders of family, men and women in partnership. And we must understand that our faith must shape every opportunity. 
by our faith, we can lean on the world. And we have to take every opportunity because the world will take every opportunity to lean on us. I was taking off out of Phoenix last night, and it was a beautifully clear night. And we took off to the west and made this big sweeping left-hand turn as we climbed out. And I sit on the left side of the airplane as a captain, and I had a beautiful view of suburban Phoenix. And there was the darkness, and there were all the lights, and there were these green fields, these baseball fields, these t-ball fields, these football fields. And as we were turning out, and I was thinking about the show today, I was thinking about how simple family can be or how complicated we can make it. And I remember as a kid playing Little League, and you had a soda maybe at the end of the game, and your parents showed up to watch, and they weren't on their phones, they were watching. Mm. And they weren't screaming at the umpire uh, because they had designs of you playing for the Astros. They were just out there because little people were playing a game and having fun and understanding that we can be where we are. And as we uh, climbed out, I was just thinking, that's America. Uh, it's, it's Little League. It's baseball. It's a, a soft drink once a week if your parents allow it. And it's so beautiful. And there's so much opportunity. And we're giving it all away to Facebook, to cell phones, to iPads. And that's the joy of life. Because if not that, then what? So um, we're talking with Tom Stevens about... The fact that what we're doing is not working and our children are uh, obese, suicidal, uh, overtasked, overchallenged, overscheduled. Uh, and then as leaders, we have an opportunity to correct first and foremost those things in our own lives as we submit ourselves to God and his love on which we can count. And then we demonstrate that in the boundaries we set for our families. So, Tom, as we wrap things up and we're thinking about the fact that we're all struggling because this is a battlefield and it is a wilderness and there's the hope of the promised land. And right now we are where we are. And the reality is we need to make some changes. Yeah, we've gone from a a fundamental uh, foundational society into a quick fix society. So we're all looking for Band-Aids and things that help us feel better for the moment. And I had this woman in my office one time who used to be a meth addict. And she said to me, and, and she's uh, grown up now, has a daughter and living a better life. And she said, you know, Tom, nobody wants to be a meth addict. Like, it's not fun doing that. And the reason they do it is not because they love the kicks of the misery. It's because that's the only thing they know to escape that moment to feel a little bit better. And I said to her, you know, it's funny, is the thing that any meth addict, alcoholic, drug addict does, the thing that they're avoiding to use that substance is life. It's Life becomes so difficult sometimes that I just need to escape. And that can be as simple as a phone or an iPad or a video game for children. But I think we're showing children early that the way to use your idle time is by plugging into an electronic device or on social media or on a game instead of through relational. And I, I, I let this hour go without really pressing in on that, that we are relational beings. We need people. And part of that is having a relationship, which is talking, which is experiencing, which is playing, which is going outside. 
and it's telling stories and it's sitting around a campfire or a living room and talking to each other instead of just texting each other. So I want people to hear that relationships do matter and children do need family for the relationship. You know, I said a while ago, as we looked at some of the buffoonery of this last summer with the Antifa stuff and all of this other stuff, and I said, imagine if you met a person and you looked at them with genuine concern, interest, and curiosity, and you said to them, where did you grow up? What was that like? And then you listened. And then maybe they would ask you. And then this relationship would make it that much harder for us to be mean to each other, to categorize each other by gender, sexuality, color, ethnicity, nationality, however you want to say it. And all of that is based on relationship and God's prized uh, possession in the Bible is the unity of believers in the truth. And Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19 say, there are six things the Lord hates, seven he despises. And the seventh thing that he despises is people who cause disharmony in the community. And that disharmony is much harder to perpetrate when you are connected, when you look a person in the eye and you say to them, I want to know about you, I want to hear your story, I don't want to be plugged in on Facebook, and then I'll think about uh, all kind of things. I see you, mm-hmm. and we want to be seen. Yeah, it's like I've told Christy before on her show that when I work with children as a psychotherapist, the one role, because children's brains aren't developed enough yet, like an adult, is you notice their words, you notice their tone of voice, you notice their body language, you notice what they play with, and then you just say that. I can tell that's exciting for you. It looks like you're having a good time. It looks like now you're going to build that and pick that up. You're literally paying total attention to that child, and they feel empowered, they feel accepted, and they feel valuable. So people who genuinely feel noticed and understood feel valuable. Then there's huge influence. But I tell people all the time, is there someone that mentors you? Is, is there anybody you will listen to if they tell you to walk out of here backwards today and go down the stairs and say hi to each person that you see? And most people don't have that key person in their life that they will absolutely, you know, fall on the sword for. And it is critical. And that that is definitely with God in the Bible. But it's also with a person here on earth that is a great mentor. And that should be parents, too. God bless you. That's the truth, folks. And that brings us to our moment of truth. As you know, in every show, we have a moment of truth where we look at Scripture, which informs our discussion. And we do this to remind ourselves that God's Word is our first refuge, that it's always relevant, and that it never fails. In our moment of truth today, I've already spoken it. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5 say, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we do our children no favors when we don't allow them to suffer. We do them no favors when we don't set boundaries. I meet a lot of people in my travels, friends, and I know things are hard. I feel it and I see it. And I know firsthand that when things get hard, we must do the basics well. As I said to my team in Afghanistan, Brilliance in the basics will overcome the schemes of the enemy. Family is one of those basics. 
Nobody's perfect. We will all have bad days. But in the truth of the Bible, we can focus on the basics of family. I was recently reading an article about lines of operation written by an army major named Mario Diaz. He talked about the complexity of the modern military operation in the contemporary operating environment. He said operations could range from high-intensity combat to small-scale strike operations to international peace treaty enforcement or humanitarian relief efforts. And he added that as difficult as each of these missions is in their own right, there is the possible combination of two or more of these types of operations running at the same time. And he made this point, which is what I would like to emphasize. He said, during planning for operations in the contemporary operating environment, modern military planners consider a myriad of factors when formulating ways to employ military forces in support of national policy objectives. It's a lot, I know. But listen, this is the most important part. He said, the most significant and unifying source of guidance for military planners is doctrine. Here's my point. Life is as complex as that contemporary operating environment. It's crazy, manipulated, and twisted. And as we try to navigate the spiritual battlefield like modern military planners, we too must rely on doctrine. And that doctrine is the Bible. On this we can hope courageously. We will not be put to shame. When we submit our understanding to Jesus, when we submit our failing ideas to his perfect knowledge, and when we do that in everything from our marriages to our parenting to our relationships with our neighbors, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's courageous Christianity. Tom, any last thoughts? No, you said it very well. That was a great show. This went by so fast. I'm so grateful to be here, and I love talking about children. I love talking about families, and I love talking about hope. And there is hope in relationship if we can learn to have good example and we can learn to take pieces from shows like this where we can go out in the world and make it different than it is today. I tell clients all the time, how do you want life to be different than it is now? Let's work at getting to that point. It starts now. We were just talking about that, setting expectations for 2022. What about if we said, I'm going to spend less time looking at my phone, more time looking people in the eye, and more time asking them questions and simply listening? How amazing would that be? How connected we would all be and how much easier life would be and how much harder it would be for the enemy. Yeah, and our children need that. And I want to say one thing. Pick one thing. Start now. Just start small and then add on to it. You don't have to change the world overnight. Start small. God bless you. I think that's fantastic. Tom, thank you so much. You're a wonderful advocate. And I'd love for you to come back and talk to us about high-performance athletes. Yes. Because I know that that's an area of your Mm -hmm. study as well. Friends, thanks for joining Christy and me. We hope you'll join us every week here on 100.7 FM, KKHT, the word at kkht.com or on CourageousChristianity.today, or your favorite podcast app where you can listen to previous episodes by podcast. I just helped a friend get set up on iHeartRadio, and he's thoroughly enjoying it. We are honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and simplify.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.